You are Locked On Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Sports Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and we have a ton of stuff to cover as can be expected in the year 2020, things can change in an instant. I had this fantastic lineup of content prepared to talk to you about throughout the week covering the Iowa-Michigan game. We had a crossover episode ready, and then it all came crashing down yesterday as the Michigan game got canceled due to a COVID outbreak at Michigan. Why they were practicing? I have no idea. I'll I'll never completely understand that. But regardless, we have a lot to cover today. A lot of awards been handing out to some fantastic Iowa Hawkeye athletes. We're going to talk about that Michigan cancellation, what that means. It's also early signing day, so a lot of players are going to be committing to the Iowa Hawkeyes. We're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're also going to dive into the Kirk Ferentz press conference and all Big Ten awards. As you can tell, we have absolute jam-packed schedule today. So let's get right into it. Starting with some of the news and notes, since we didn't have a show yesterday, wanted to make sure I broke this down. Caitlin Clark was named ESPN Women's National Player of the Week, also first team, or first, uh, sorry, excuse me, freshman of the week, Big Ten freshman of the week, and Big Ten Player of the Week as well. Luca Garza was named Co-Ten Player, Co-Big Ten Player of the Week. Amir Smith-Marset was also named Big Ten Player of the Week, and we found out that the Iowa offensive line was named a semifinalist for the Joe Moore Award, and Phil Parker was named a semifinalist for the Broyles Award, given to the top assistant coach in the nation. So fantastic stuff all around for our Iowa Hawkeye athletes and coaches. And then moving on to some more awards, we got the all-conference teams for the offense in the Big Ten. Tomorrow we're getting defense, so we're going to give a little bit of an analysis as to what and who we think will win some of those awards. But let me quickly run through the list of all-conference players, and I'm going to give my reactions to a few of them. First team, Tyler Goodson, Alaric Jackson, and Tyler Linderbaum. Tyler Linderbaum was just a media selection. I'm going to get to that in a little bit. Second team, Cole Banwer on both teams. Tyler Linderbaum on the coaches team. An honorable mention between both lists. Mackay Sargent, Spencer Petrus, Mark Kallenberger, Amir Smith-Marset, Cody Inks, Kyler Schott, Sam Laporta, and Sean Beyer. So, awesome stuff for Sean Beyer. Um, what a fantastic ending to his career, even just being able to make that list, especially after all the adversity he has faced. So, great stuff there. Let's, let's start with reactions, though. Uh, Tyler Goodson, no surprise there. I mean, the sky is the limit for this kid, um, tied for the youngest Iowa running back to make first team all conference. Um, He's the first since Sean Green. And honestly, had Minnesota not established the run game so well with Mo Ibrahim, Ibrahim, I feel like Tyler Goodson would have been uh, the Big Ten running back of the year. And I feel like he will be the front runner for that next year. And we're probably going to see him go to the NFL. I just don't, I don't see him sticking around another year. He's so, he's such a phenomenal back. Alaric Jackson, no surprise there. He is a fifth year or fourth year starter, excuse me, for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Really came together this year, did a fantastic job. Had some up and downs a little bit in a few games, but overall just did a phenomenal job pass blocking um, for Spencer Petrus. Tyler Linderbaum, he should be a first round pick or if nothing else, a early second round pick if he were to declare this year. The fact that he is not a coach's first team all Big Ten pick is atrocious and 
pathetic. I am actually embarrassed by the Big Ten coaches for not selecting him as first-team All-Big Ten. They clearly didn't watch a single freaking game of his film. Otherwise, you would have seen that he is a fantastic offensive lineman. Um, Cole Banwork, congratulations, my man. Makai Sargent, uh, you know, honestly, I think he could have made a case for a second team. He put together some nice runs, and honestly, him and Tyler Goodson were a fantastic one-two combo, and Makai Sargent was sometimes a better back in games. I think he could have easily made a case for a second team had he gotten more of the starters and the lion's share of reps. I think he could have been a first-team all-back, all-Big Ten back as well. Mark Kallenberger, you know, had some injuries. Uh, Koi Kronk also started the first couple games. I think where Kallenberger for me comes in at, you know, without playing that many games, was how much Iowa struggled when he wasn't in the game. And that that is also important to note as well. Amir Smith-Marset, I think in a different year with a different quarterback, if he had Nate Stanley this year, Amir Smith-Marset and even Brandon Smith would have been higher up on this list, possibly second or third team. Um, Brandon Smith struggled with some drops. Amir Smith-Marset just, you know, inaccuracy just wasn't able to get the ball to him Cody Inc Kyler shot uh fantastic stuff they did a great job of shoring up that interior offensive line and no surprise here seeing Iowa tight ends on that honorable mention list Spencer Petrus is interesting I don't know what the hell that person was thinking or whoever the hell voted for Spencer Petrus I apologize I don't like to talk bad about players but there is no one that in their right mind that could be look at this and say yep That was an honorable mention all Big Ten quarterback right there. That's the fourth best quarterback in the Big Ten. There's definitely room for improvement. There's definitely hope that he could be that guy at some point, but it wasn't this year. Not at all. As far as any any person that I feel like got shafted, I don't. I think this is pretty this is pretty fair and an accurate list all around, other than Linderbaum not being a first team all Big Ten for both media and coaches. So that's my thoughts. Let me know your thoughts on that offensive list. Just a reminder that we are getting that defense tomorrow. But before we get into that, I want to give you my selections for first team or for all Big Ten selections. I do think Davian Nixon, Chauncey Golston, they will both be on that first team. Uh, I think Nick Neiman could make his way in there simply because he's second in the conference in tackles. Um, as far as the second team, I think it probably is Nick Neiman. I think that's where he falls at. Third team, I think we're going to see a lot more representation. I think we're going to see Dane Belton, Matt Hankins, Zach Van Valkenburg, and Jack Kerner. Uh, those are guys, I, I don't think we're going to get all three defensive ba- or three of the five defensive backs on that list, but I do think any one of those three can make a case. Uh, Dane Belton and Matt Hankins are tied for sixth in the Big Ten in passes defense. Jack Kerner, fourth in interceptions. Zach Van Valkenburg, 11th in sacks. He also just came up very clutch in quite a few plays um, throughout the season, making some phenomenal plays. So those are my selections for first, second, third team. We're going to find that out, though. Honorable mention, there's a number of guys that could be that, but I wanted to focus on first, second, and third. As far as the yearly awards, though, I do think Davian Nixon has made a case for being the defensive player of the year, the Nagurski-Woodson defensive player of the year, and also the defensive lineman of the year. What he did doesn't just show up in a stat box, he or a box score, excuse me. He was just impact an impact player all around. He led the league in sacks. He had one forced fumble, one interception, that one ridiculously awesome touchdown run 
uh, or catch, intercept, whatever, against Penn State. Um, I think that firmly squared away his bid for Defensive Player of the Year and Defensive Lineman of the Year. I think he could be an All-American as well. Um, I, I would actually be shocked if he wasn't an All-American, to, to be completely blunt. I also think Tyler Linderbaum could be an All-American. I think he was the top center in the country, which is how ridiculous it is that he was not named first team by both media and coaches. But those are my thoughts. We're going to get that list tomorrow. We'll break it down on tomorrow's episode for those defensive players and then give you our predictions and previews for the special teams. That's all coming up on tomorrow's show. We're going to take a quick break, though, and then get back into the show. We're going to be covering the Kirk Ferentz press conference. We also want to talk a little bit about that Michigan game and cover the recruiting because it is National Signing Day, and Iowa is getting a ton of great prospects and one of their best classes in the history of the Kirk Ferentz era. So we're going to be talking about all of that coming up on segments two and three of the show. But if you're anything like me, as you're listening to all this news pop off, Michigan game is canceled. Uh, we got Iowa Gonzaga coming up. It is the, you know, it's holiday time. There's just so much going on. Sometimes you just need to take a second and chill. Um, I know after listening to all the stuff that came out today, I needed to just take a second, sit on the couch, grab myself an ice cold Coors Light and chill because Coors Light is the only beer out there that's made to chill. So if I want to chill, I might as well grab myself an ice cold Coors Light. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill and it's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind after a long day of seeing all this news break on Big Ten football, on Iowa football. Sometimes, again, you just need to grab yourself that ice-cold Coors Light. Thankfully, I have a case in my fridge, so I'll be doing that after I finish this show. Coors Light, though, is the one I choose and I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. That's right, folks. Have it delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. And as always, remember to celebrate responsibly. This message is brought to you by Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado. And sometimes you need to chill, but sometimes you just need a pick-me-up, a little, little snack to keep you going. And that's where Built Bar comes in. Personally, I love grabbing my Built Bars for a nice you know, meal replacement for breakfast. I eat a protein bar with a nice glass of milk. Usually I get my workouts in in the morning and I grab myself a Built Bar. And I'll tell you why I grab myself a Built Bar. Not only is it phenomenal in the health department, but it is fantastic in the taste department as well. 18 amazing flavors. They keep coming out with new seasonal flavors that are delicious. Believe me, if you have your chance to get a pumpkin chocolate chip, you got to do it because it is delicious. All these bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And like I said, they taste just like a candy bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market, but let's not forget about how great it is from a health perspective as well. Let me give you one of my favorite flavor profiles, cookies and cream. All right, I love pop pumpkin chocolate and chip, but cookies and cream is a tried and true favorite as well. And I actually have a package of mint brownies coming my way from Built Bar, I'm actually getting them delivered tonight as I'm recording. Cookies and cream, though, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. How can you not try this out? What a fantastic deal, great taste, and great health benefits. But right now, you can actually go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And as a reminder, we have shows every single day of the week. We have a show coming up tomorrow. We're going to be talking about those defensive all-conference selections, talking about the special teams, and probably a few more news and notes about what is going on with Iowa football, whether or not... 
they can get another game, which is very unlikely at this point. They're not going to get another game, which I'll talk about. But we're going to be talking all about Iowa football on tomorrow's show as well. We might even have a special guest appearance. We're working on that since we are planning on doing a crossover episode. Either way, you're going to love the content, so stay tuned for that. Let's jump into our regularly scheduled programming for today, though, talking about the press conference from Kirk Ferentz. So, every single week that there's a game, Kirk Ferentz talks to the media and we break it down right here. I'm going to talk a little bit about that and then get into my thoughts about the Michigan game. So, Kirk Ferentz, he was asked a lot of questions about the cancellation of this Michigan game. And I'm really going to give you one thought on it from Kirk. He had this to say about potentially scheduling another game um, in addition, you know, since they're not getting that Michigan game. A lot of people are throwing out Georgia, which... I would love to play Georgia. I think that's actually a winnable game for Iowa. Um, I think that that's a perfect opponent to show that Iowa is a good football program, but it's just not going to work out. And here's what Kirk had to say about it as well. He said, yeah, if there's any talk of that, I'm certainly not aware of it. I'd certainly be against it. This isn't baseball. With all due respect to basketball or baseball, where you play multiple games during the course of a week, we learned the news here this afternoon. I don't know if it's been an hour yet. 75% of our preparation had already been done. Maybe 80%. I don't know. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, it, this is it's not the same thing. We saw BYU and Coastal Carolina do it. They wanted to have the opportunity to get that national respect. Now, I think Iowa has a good motivation to try to do this, but it sounds like Kirk is very content with how the season went. You started off 0-2 with all the things that happened this offseason, finishing 6-2, likely getting a bid to the Citrus Bowl or the Outback Bowl. He's okay with that, and I understand that. However, what's frustrating to me is that Iowa is knocking on the doorstep of a New Year's Six Bowl, and I firmly believe that they could have got there with a win over Michigan or a win over Indiana. They definitely would have gotten there with a win over Indiana. Again, the Big Ten decided to schedule Indiana-Purdue and Iowa-Michigan. I actually think that the Big Ten had a pretty good idea these games were going to be canceled, and that is why I hate the Big Ten right now. I think if you know something, you need to freaking say it. I'm sick of this you know, kind of vagueness. Oh, we're going to schedule these games. Oh, we really care about rivalry games now. We didn't care about them before, but we really care about Purdue, Indiana now. And then all of a sudden, oh, neither of these teams can play because of COVID. Two days later. Are you, you, you're telling me you didn't know that before? Why aren't you just honest to us? Why don't you just tell us why you're thinking through some of these things? I understood not playing Iowa versus Indiana because you thought that game was going to be canceled. I actually get that. However, you never came out and said that. Now we get Iowa versus Michigan, and Michigan can't play. Uh, well, first of all, why were they practicing? And if you knew that they had 50 guys out, why did you think that that was going to work? We could have scheduled Iowa versus Rutgers. Hell, that would be a better game than Iowa versus Michigan. It would have looked better because Rutgers isn't a bad team this year. Now we don't have a game. We have no opportunity to continue to build and get into a New Year's Six Bowl conversation. And by default, Indiana's ahead of us. Indiana's not a better team than us. Also, let's look at some of the other two lost teams. Iowa State, they lost to Louisiana. They are a ranked team. I get that. But they also lost to Oklahoma State. Iowa State's a two-loss team, and they are number six in the nation now due to the college ball playoff rankings that came out last night. Oklahoma lost to Kansas State and Iowa State, and they are in the top ten as well. Iowa is a two-loss team coming off a six-game winning streak with a quarterback who, let's face it, Ain't very good right now. He could be good, but he ain't very good right now. And they have gotten better. And they've beaten some good teams. 
Wisconsin, you can say what you want. Wisconsin is still a solid football program. They should have beat Northwestern, but Spencer Petra struggled. The committee seems okay with giving Oklahoma that pass, saying, ah, Spencer Rattler's a first-year quarterback. He struggled, but he's getting better. What about Iowa? They had Spencer Petras. What the hell? And I'm going on a bit of a rant here. I know I was supposed to talk about the Kirk Ferentz press conference, but this is kind of leading into what I want to talk about anyways. This is ridiculous. Uh, I, I understand that Kirk doesn't want to play a game, and I totally get that. It probably isn't good for the brand, um, especially if you go into a game unprepared and you lose. That's only going to hurt. But it just sucks to see Iowa's season that has so much promise and hope end like this. The college football playoff rankings came out. Let me read it down for you, and let me explain why that's bad for Iowa. Bama 1, Notre Dame 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4, A&M 5, Iowa State 6, Florida 7, Georgia 8, Cincinnati 9, OU 10, Indiana 11, Coastal 12, 13, USC, Northwestern 14, UNC 15, Iowa 16. All right. Uh, UNC has three losses, and they beat a, I would say, not a very good Miami team. You can say whatever the hell you want. The ACC is not that good. And UNC beat a Miami team. Now they're ranked ahead of Iowa by having three losses. Northwestern, I understand being ranked ahead of Iowa. When they lose to Ohio State, they better drop down, though. Coastal Carolina, that's an interesting one to watch. Could they lose? Possibly. I think there's a really good chance they could lose this week. But does Louisiana Lafayette jump then above Iowa? I don't know. We saw UNC do it when they beat Miami. USC, uh, that... USC is not a great team this year, despite being ranked that high. They could easily lose to Oregon. That would drop them out. But I think the New Year's Six Bulls would want to get a Pac-12 opponent in those Bulls. That's my personal opinion. Iowa State, Oklahoma. Whoever loses that, do they really fall behind Iowa despite being having three losses? I, I don't think so. Clearly, the committee values both of those teams, so that's interesting. Georgia doesn't have it. You know, Georgia is a two-loss team. They're not going to go anywhere. Florida's a two-loss team. When they lose to Alabama, it depends on by how much, but it, clearly losing to LSU wasn't that big of a deterrent for that team. Um, in Cincinnati, they get Tulsa. That A loss to Tulsa would drop them below Iowa, um, and I do think there's an opportunity for Tulsa to win there, but it just sucks. Um, I feel like Iowa had a great opportunity to get into a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, a Citrus Bowl, an Outback Bowl, or an Outback Bowl isn't a bad consolation prize, though. Let me be very clear about that. It is not a bad consolation prize, especially given what Iowa went through this offseason, despite the fact that they had to replace Tristan Wirfs, A.J. Peneza, Nate Stanley, you know, Geno Stone, Michael Ojemudia. That's a lot of players they had to replace, and that, that's not everyone. So the fact they had to replace those guys and still finish 6-2, and two, and you know, without an offseason to get Spencer Peters ready, all these things, it's still impressive what they're able to do, but it's still very frustrating. One last thing, I went on a huge tangent there, but one last thing about the Kirk Ferentz press conference before we take one more break is about Tyler Linderbaum. He didn't want to get in trouble, but they asked him about Tyler Linderbaum and not getting first-team recognition from the coaches. He said, I have to be really careful. I don't want to say anything that suggests other players aren't really good. I don't want to say that at all. I'll just say this. I haven't been around many centers in college football better than Tyler Linderbaum. I'll leave it at that. I've been here 30 plus years. Joel Higginberg was a pretty good center. We've had pretty good centers here. I'm not saying he's better than Hilgi. I don't know. I don't know how many are better than Tyler Linderbaum. I think that's Kirk's passive way of saying that was some bull crap. Tyler Linderbaum got screwed and the coaches are idiots. That's personally my opinion. I think that's what Kirk is trying to say here. That does it for my little rant though. Um, as 
as we see what plays out this weekend, we'll start talking about bowl possibilities. I'll probably go into some bowl possibilities again in more detail later on in this week as well, but it just sucks. I feel like this team could compete against almost any program in the nation. They're heating up. They're on fire. They are a team that not only possesses the talent, but the ability to turn it on in key situations. See what they did against Wisconsin. When their backs were against the wall, Wisconsin was at their goal line. And say what you want, but Iowa stood up to that test, and they handled it. So I do think they could have played almost any team in the nation, and they could have won a New Year's Six Bowl. But um, shoulda, coulda, woulda. Should have won those first two games, and it would be a different conversation. But that being said, we're going to jump back into the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast after a few quick messages from our sponsors. All right, NBA fans, listen up. The Lockdown NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a special week of team preview podcast all this week. Plus, waiver wire additions from Lockdown Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford. I'll be tuning into the preview of Lockdown Nuggets. That's where I live. I live in Denver. You got to follow the Nuggets, but you can tune into Lockdown Timberwolves, Bulls, Bucks, or whatever your team may be. But right now, go subscribe to Lockdown NBA wherever you get your podcast at. Start devouring more of our awesome content across the network and we have some fantastic things coming up. So you're going to want to stay tuned and plugged into all of the Locked On Podcast Network's content we are producing. Let's get back into our final segment of the show today, though, talking about recruiting because it is a big time for recruiting. Last year, I popped out a fantastic episode, kind of doing a a four-parter, you know, talking to some of the recruits, talking about their experiences. Uh, Honestly, the early signing period kind of crept up on me because we are in the middle of football season still. Uh, it, that's typically not the case, right? We, we were going to have a game this Saturday. We're not having that anymore, but it kind of, you know, early signing day snuck up on me. We are going to see a lot of Iowa Hawkeyes sign their letters of intent, though, and to commit their future to playing for the Iowa Hawkeyes. And what a recruiting class this is. Let me walk you through it. 21st in the nation as of right now. Fifth in the Big Ten. They have 17 commits. They just got their first, excuse me, the first commit since June in Carson Schar. I definitely butchered his last name. I apologize. Um, that is a big-time commitment. And the reason why is he was committed to UNI. He is an Iowa player who balled out his senior year. And one thing we talked about, Iowa has been a little bit quiet on the recruiting front, on the commitment front. And I feel like they felt their their team was pretty well-built. The recruiting class was pretty well-built. And they're waiting to see a few guys develop. They're waiting to see a few guys develop across the state and track those guys. So I could see a few more guys committing over the next couple months as Iowa kind of reigns in their recruiting approach. But let me quickly run you down through the list of recruits we have after I go over Carson Schreier. As a senior, he had 214 carries for 1,166 yards, 13 touchdowns, 80 tackles on defense, 9.5 tackles for loss. Iowa Falls Alden product. He could play safety, but he's most likely projected as an outside linebacker. And again, just a reminder, Iowa has some pretty good success with late signing or with late commits in the process. Look at George Kittle. Same day of signing day, he signs with Iowa, gets the offer, all that good stuff. Look where he's at now. He's an all-pro tight end for the San Francisco 49ers. So do not sleep on this kid. Um, clearly, Iowa liked what they saw. They wouldn't offer a scholarship if they didn't. But they also have some other fantastic commits. Let me break it down for you. One quarterback. One wide receiver, four offensive linemen, five defensive linemen, one linebacker, one defensive back, and four athletes, two of which project at wide receiver, Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce, and two at linebacker, Zach Tweet and Carson 
as well. They also have nine preferred walk-ons at this time who have accepted, including a long snapper and a fullback, and two very recent ones, Eli Miller and Kelby Tlander. Uh, again, I'm trying to figure out these names. Not always good with some of these names that I haven't heard before, um, but Kelby... You know, projects as an outside linebacker or a tight end. He runs a 4-5-2 40-yard dash. Um, this is an athlete. Again, Iowa has a history of producing star players from being a preferred walk-on. Just look at who got scholarships after this weekend, right? I mean, Joe Evans, what a freaking stud. Uh, it's fantastic to see that all around. I mean, you love seeing Charlie Jones. I mean, these are guys who have been balling out for Iowa, and they finally got scholarships. That is awesome to see. And that could happen with any of the preferred walk-ons. That's why Iowa is such a hotbed for preferred walk-ons, because they're treated just like scholarship players. They have development they need to do, but when they do that development, when they buy into the program, they have an opportunity to truly be great for the Iowa Hawkeyes, and that's what I love about the program. Obviously, we'll be giving you a breakdown of who all signs, who maybe doesn't sign. I don't I don't think there's anyone who hasn't planned on signing on signing day as you know today or at least over the next three days. But if we do find anything out about that, we will definitely let you know. And I'm assuming recruiting is going to pick up a little bit for this 2021 class over the next couple weeks as Iowa starts kind of rounding out the class um, based on who is still left, what they like from prospects, et cetera, et cetera. So that is our recruiting breakdown. Again, kind of an interesting episode, y'all. I, I wasn't expecting to be doing this. I had a lot of stuff to break out about the Iowa-Michigan game. I thought it was a great matchup for Iowa, but we're not getting that game. And again, I don't think we're going to see another game until the bowl game. But we'll be covering that on tomorrow's show. We'll also be talking about the first team, second team, third team, all Big Ten defensive players, and who could be on that special team. I would be shocked if we don't see a Tory Taylor or a Charlie Jones on that list. We'll also be doing a little bit of a, a preview of how likely it is for some of these Iowa guys up for national awards to actually win those national awards. We'll be breaking that down as well, either tomorrow or on Friday's episode. And just a reminder, we got Iowa versus Gonzaga. What a freaking basketball game to watch. That'll be on Saturday. We'll be breaking that game down on Friday as well. Hawkeye Nation, I appreciate you tuning in. Appreciate you joining me for this crazy ride that is this week of what is happening in Iowa Hawkeye Athletics. Always appreciate the listenership. If you love the show, give us that five-star review follow us on facebook twitter and instagram keep you know talking to us keep uh you know interacting with us love interacting with you all on twitter facebook and instagram and hawkeye nation i love you all and let's go hawks